and um, initially in the 101, about being fruitful, God wants you to be a reproducer. But let's look at what Jesus said in John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm going to read that again. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So what are we talking about today is we're talking about being fruitful. And I want to use the word being productive. That's the, what the, word, that, that's the word that the world uses. So we're just going to use a word from the world, but we're going to tie it into the Christian's perspective of being fruitful because God wants you to be productive in your life. Now we know in the in the in the business world there's this whole idea of productivity and what it means and what people model productivity. There's seminars and being more productive. People come in as uh, coaches into businesses to help people become more productive. But God wants that for our life. In every area of our life, and when we line up ourselves with the things of God, we're going to be productive. We're going to be fruitful. God has promised it. When we connect with the author of life, just like Jesus uses his allegory of the vine, the branches plugged into the vine, because they are plugged into the vine, they're going to be fruitful. You plug into Jesus, you cannot help but be fruitful. And a sign that you are not plugged in like you need to be is you're not bearing fruit. Okay, so we want to look at that today. So we're talked about being productive. Productivity. Merriam-Webster defines productive as having the quality or power of producing. Having the quality or power of producing. Especially in abundance. Uh, there are, you know, you look at uh, product. Uh, there's waters, you know, that give off. Uh, if, if, you, if you're going to go fishing and, and you want it to be productive, that means you got to catch some fish, right? How many went fishing and didn't catch nothing? Most of us, you know. And but uh, being productive means if you go and do something, you're going to reap something from it. Another uh, definition is effective in bringing about effective in bringing about. So now we're talking about producing, but we're also talking about being what? Effective. Say that with me. Effective. Being effective. Yielding results. Benefits or profits. Yielding are devoted to satisfaction of wants or the creation 
of utilities. That's how Miriam defines productivity. Now, what comes to mind is the idea of being effective, beneficial, creative, being fertile, being a reproducer. Now, if you research the idea of productivity, a whole milieu of information is going to be presented to you. You just go on Google and type in the word productivity, man. It's just going to fly up right there on the screen. The whole world is interested in being productive. Even the business world understands that if you're going to be successful, if you're going to be effective, you're going to be a producer. In fact, Donald Trump wrote a book. And when I was, going, uh, when I was the CEO, the president of, uh, of, of the Bible College, and, and when we established two schools, uh, and, and, and we were running back and forth every two weeks, and the school became a multi-million dollar organization. And, you know, we, I, I was telling Pastor Joe, you know, there was a time when we had nothing. There was nothing. We were in a living room, and there was nothing. No, no students, no books. It was just a little room with the five of us in there. And then to this multi-million dollar organization with millions and millions of dollars worth of assets, and, you know, writing, you know, a stack of checks, uh, signing a stack of checks every month, the business administrator come in, and all I did one day was sign checks. You know, and so, and going from that to that, and then, you know what, I, I, was in, I was in Bible college, seminary, and all that kind of thing, but nobody really taught me how to be a businessman. You know, and most preachers don't know how to be a good businessman. You know, there's certain, certain leadership qualities that you need, but there's certain things in the business world. So they brought in a CEO of Ziff Davis, and for three days, all we did with this CEO is just go through all this idea of being productive and recruitment, vision casting, and all this kind of thing. And uh, Ziff Davis, they own the magazines like Macworld, PC World, and all these magazines like this, one of the largest uh, magazine firms in the country. And so we did all that kind of thing. But, but the whole world has this idea of being successful. It's being productive. So if you, it affects every area of our society. In fact, the whole arena of financial development and capitalism, the basic idea of success is judged by whether or not someone or something has the ability to produce. Now that's how the world looks at it. That's how the world looks at it. The world says, hey, if you can't produce in your job, move over. We're going to get somebody else that can. Right? How many of you are familiar with that? You guys are in, like, one of the powerhouses in our nation. So you guys understand that. That's kind of bred into the culture of capitalism. You know, you see, you look out there, you see high buildings. I mean, people, you know, yeah, there's some, you know, there's some logistical quality to building a high building, but they just keep building them higher and higher than the next guy. My building's bigger than yours. You know, and there's this whole idea of producing, being effective. Man, look at us. Look how big our city is. For most of our society, the idea of producing is equated with the ability to acquire material wealth. But not everyone is wired that way. Uh, Anne Ryan says man's noblest activity is productive achievement. And what is productive achievement? Someone said the application of reason to the problem of existence. Some people, some people are productive by acquiring all kinds of wealth. And then that's productive. But other people are productive because they find the cure to cancer. You know, maybe they didn't acquire wealth, but there's a little guy, you know, wearing his glasses or whatever, a little professor-looking guy with no hair or something, and he's got a little lab coat on, and, you know, he's blowing things up and stuff like that. 
you know, and he's looking for cures. Now, it's funny because the corporation that hires him is the one that's going to make all the money. But the guy that his whole mind is, you know, he's got his Ph.D., maybe one, two, three Ph.D.s, and he's trying to, you know, find a cure for something. He's back there, and Eureka, he discovers something. And for him, maybe he doesn't achieve wealth or fame. Maybe the company, you know, uh, you know uh, whatever, you know, whatever the names of those companies are, I can't remember. And I used to work in the pharmacy for five years, and so I remembered some of them, but not now, not this morning. Pastor Joe kept me up too late. And so <laughs> we were the back there talking. So. But anyway, you know, but he's there. He's being productive because he is operating in his purpose. He's achieving something. And it's like a painter. You know, uh, some of these times these painters, they die and, they're, and, and, and they never made any money in life. But they might have painted something like the Sistine Chapel. You know, and they were productive because they were fulfilling their purpose. And so not, it's not about money or the acquisition of things alone. It's about operating in your purpose. Uh, we think about this guy. How many of you guys have heard of uh, the, the operating uh, system called Linux? The operating uh, program and language called Linux. You guys have, you know, the, uh, yeah, our sister right here who's in programming. Linux, uh, here you have Microsoft Windows. It's an operating system to run computers, okay? And so uh, you have Microsoft Windows, and of course the Mac world has what, Mac OS, what, 10 or something, or 11? What, what do they have? I don't know. I'm not in the Mac world, but I mean, anyway, you know, they, they, you know, they have an operating system that runs all that, the software developed to run all that hardware. And those things are expensive. Now, usually if you buy a PC, it comes with it, you know, and that's how Bill Gates got all his monies. He partnered with all these clone companies and, you know, and he, he, he packaged Microsoft Windows with every PC that went out. And man, PCs, you know, Windows is all over the world. But then you got this guy, and he says, you know what? I'm going to write just, you know, just for the fun of it or whatever. I'm going to write this operating system, and I'm going to put it on the Internet and offer it for free. And then I'm going to ask people to put input into it and to develop it. And Linux, that's what Linux became, an operating system that you can go online and download it for free. Now, in the capitalistic mind... You know, like, you're crazy. What are you doing? But for that guy, I mean, if you, you know, you just Google him, he's going to come up on the Internet. He's achieved fame. He's acquired success in his life because he did something. He produced something. He didn't get anything materially for it. But still, he operated in his purpose. He achieved something. He did something that nobody had done. So being productive is not just useful for the acquisition of materials, for living, but also for our mental well-being. The use of one's gifts for the advancement of society, our personal well-being. Many people sit in their jobs depressed because they feel like their life is unproductive. People sit inside jobs all day long and they wish they were somewhere else. People sit in churches all day long and they wish they were somewhere else. Now, I know I'm talking about business, and it sounds like we could be sitting in a business you know, room somewhere, and I'm talking to a bunch of employees here, but I want to get to the fact that God has called you to be productive. And the very life of the church is wrapped up in this thing. 
And Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. He gives you the impetus for producing. But not only that, He says, if you're not producing, you get cut off. So it's not just a requirement for society. It's not just a good idea. It's just not a concept that Metro Praise came up with, or Pastor Joe came up with. No, this is part of the very Word of Almighty God. It, it is the aspect, and it's indicative of the fact that you have life inside of you. And if you're not producing, we have to question whether or not there's life. Even people in high-end jobs become unsatisfied. Films are made about this. Doctors' offices filled with people suffering from depression, like that, that, that show the, that comes on The Office. You know, we like to watch The Office every once in a while. It's, it's real dumb. But, you know, everybody in there is depressed. You know, everybody in there is depressed, worried about their job, and it's real dumb. You know, and there's a bunch of goofy people inside of it. But, you know, people go to self-help seminars. They buy up millions of books. Our culture buys up millions of books about, you know, satisfying their life. The world even looks to the Christian community for help now. Christians are writing books that if they look like they can help you out without too much commitment to Jesus, they're going to buy it. We won't go into anything. But being productive is indicative of life. Being productive is indicative of a life functioning within its purpose. Like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. It's an exercise in futility to live outside of your God-given purpose. So being in a church and not being productive, you may as well not go to church. Because you're living outside of the very purpose. For kingdom principle, for kingdom life, God wants you to produce. You know, and you know, just like being productive in, in biology, biologically, we are designed to be productive. You know, and you're not like straining at it, you know, some kid, you know, straining at a teenager, uh, you know, no, that's not happening. You just grow. You grow, and it's, it's a natural aspect of human growth. There comes a time when a person reaches, a male and a female reaches maturation, and they are ready to produce. Now, they may not have the mental faculties or the social faculties to raise up children. They may not be mature enough, but there comes a point in a time physiologically when someone has the ability to reproduce. God created you. For that, And physically, there's also a, a spiritual application because there comes a time when someone becomes born again and they reach a level of maturation. Then God's desire for them, just like in the physical, is to reproduce. Now, why do we need to be productive? Number one, you were designed for it. You were designed for pr productivity. It's an element of... Of God's creative purpose. It's an element of God's creative purpose. Verse 11 of Genesis 1. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, 
seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation plants bearing seed according to their kind and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. They go down to verse 20 and says, God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing which with which the water teems according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. So God creates the earth. And He tells the vegetation of the earth by divine decree. You're going to produce these things called seeds. There's a whole process of things that's going to happen. Photosynthesis is going to happen. I'm going to create a sun. It's going to bring light. It's not just going to shine on the earth so it will be day and night, but the very life of the sun coming down and touching, you know, doing that chlorophyll photosynthesis process is going to produce life in these plants. The plants are going to take the nitrogen and the carbon dioxide in the air and they're going to produce oxygen and the plants are going to grow and produce seeds. Seeds are going to be given off by the plant. Go back down on the ground and produce more plants. And so God does this for the plant life. God's going to make the earth green. If you looked at uh, the moon, it's just, you know, that's pretty colorless. There's no plant life on the moon. You know, there's no oxygen on the moon to breathe. You know, there's hardly any gravity. You, you look, you just take a telescope. Hey, we can't live out there. You know, you can't survive on the moon without some help. You know, and so God creates this planet. He creates this planet to give off life, to produce life from top to bottom. And then he says, man, I'm going to let the waters be filled with creatures and on top of the green grass, you know, God's going to raise up animals and all. And guess what they're going to do? They're going to be fruitful and multiply. The plants are being fruitful and multiplying. The earth in its, in its whole process of giving, you know, uh, producing life, uh, giving rain. Uh, I, I can't remember what they call that word. I had it in my mind just a second ago, but it just left. So the, the whole thing, the, the whole cyclical thing that goes on, that I remember reading one time that the whole uh, atmospheric thing with the, with the weather, uh, it'll come to me at some point. I'm trying to kick the old hard drive. You know, it's, it's not quite on. And so the whole thing that produces, you know, the, I can't remember, they, they call it the, the uh, something cyclic, but it'll come to me. Maybe one of you guys, scientists in there, know. But uh, the whole thing that happens with the, with the earth heating up the water, you know, coming back up, and, you know, that whole thing in the process of the, uh, you know, the, the weather changing and all that kind of thing, the power that is generated by that is like a hundred atomic bombs. Just the power and the energy generated by that whole process on the earth. It's like a hundred atomic bombs going off. And so God does all this on this earth 
to make it a habitation for living things. He makes plants to continue the process and says, you're going to reproduce. He puts animals on the ground and fish in the sea and says, you're going to reproduce. And then he says to man, he says, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth. He tells man the same thing. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground in Genesis 1.28. So the earth in its process to be a habitation for life is fruitful. The plants on the earth for the habitation of life. They're fruitful. The animals and all their functions, some of them adding to that whole process of the life-giving thing that goes on in the earth, they're being fruitful and multiplying. And then God says, man, the very zenith of His creation, created in His image. And He says, you're going to be fruitful. You're going to multiply. You're going to produce. You say, well, man, then man messed things up. There was a fall. Well, down in Genesis 9, 1 through 3, the Bible talks about the ending of a flood where God messes up the whole, jacks up the whole earth, you know. People die. There's only a few people left in a boat. They step out on the ground. This is post-fall. This is after man has messed up. And God cleans things up a bit on the earth. And He says, I'm going to start over with a, with a family. Noah's family. They step out on the ground. What does God say to Noah? Then God blessed Noah and his son, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall upon all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air, upon every creature that moves along the ground, upon all the fish of the sea that are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. Genesis 9-7 As for you, he says again, be fruitful, increase in number, multiply on the earth, increase upon it. And we understand from the Old Testament that it was such a, that it, you know to be barren was looked upon like a curse. To be barren was looked upon as a curse because why? Because God had designed mankind to be fruitful. Luke one twenty three twenty five. You say, well, what is it still happening? <laughs> Oh, Zechariah, when his time of service was completed, he returned home. Luke 1, 23, 25. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for my five months remained in seclusion. And she says, the Lord has done this for me. She said, in these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. God has designed us physically to be fruitful and to be multiplied. But He also has ordained us spiritually to be fruitful and to multiply. It is your purpose. It is a divine 
design. You know, that, substance, that sounds like something on the House and Garden TV channel or something like that. Divine design, you know. But the fact is, is that what, that's what God has designed you for. The, sec, the second thing, okay, so it's the first thing we understand, God has designed you and purposed you for being productive. But the second thing, it's a fact and a measure of spiritual life. It is a fact and a measure of spiritual life. Romans 7, 4 says, So my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to Him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might, in order that we might bear fruit to God. In order that we might bear fruit to God. Paul's delineating how that Christ saved us, the purpose for our salvation, and here it is again. Here it is again. God saved you. Why? Why did God save you? So you could hang out at the salvation bus stop and wait for the salvation bus to take you home for Jesus? And that's where a lot of churches are. They get saved, and I'm just waiting around for heaven. And they come into church, I'm just waiting around for heaven. Like people standing out at a bus stop. You know, waiting for the, the glory bus to come and pick them up and bring them home. And their life is just like, can you imagine... That if every day you just had to stay all day long waiting around for a bus to come. Well, it didn't come today. I'm going back home. And so you come back out there in the morning. You wait for the bus. You know, you're not going anywhere. You're just waiting for a bus to end your life. 30, 40 years, 50 years, however many years God gives you, 60, 70, whatever. And that's how a lot of churches are. A lot of churches are like that. People get saved. Now come sit down in the pew and wait for the glory bus to take you home. Let's sing us little songs about the glory way and I'm in the glory way and I'm waiting for the glory to come. That kind of thing. But God has purpose for you. And that's why it's just lifeless and they go out and it's humdrum and they go in and out, in and out and it's just humdrum. No excitement. No thrill. But God has purposed us. Philippians 1, 18-26. He says, Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly, listen to Paul, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, for to, me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. What is that for Paul is going to say for me to live is Christ. Praise Jesus. What does that mean? Well, he interprets it here. Because he's telling the he's telling the church of Philippi, I'm in prison right now. I don't know if they're going to take my life. Right now, I could go home. Listen, guys, I've been beaten up several times. I spent a night and the day in the deep, you know. I've wrestled with wild beasts at Ephesus. You know, I'm, my, I'm pretty jacked up right now. And like, I'm tired. I'm old. You know, and uh, this is Paul. And he's in prison. And he's writing back to the church. Hey, all these things have happened. Man, if I get to go home, woo-hoo-hoo. 
you know, I've done my job. But you know what? I know that if I need to stay here for you because God has purposed that for my life. So for me to live is Christ. Then what does that mean? He says right here, because if I remain here, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Fruitful labor for me. If I stay here, it's for your benefit because I'm going to keep producing. I'm going to keep being productive. My life is going to have meaning and purpose and it's going to be effective for the kingdom of God. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to be uh, to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. No doubt. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and your joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ will overflow on account of me. Look at Colossians 1, 9-12. He says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. Bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. When you read that passage, is there anything in there that makes you think, man, I just need to sit down and chill out and be on my own and not do anything. Nobody touch me. I'm going to greet a few people. I'm going to say hi to the pastor. I'm going to go on. I'm going to work my job. I'm going to go play baseball or have some barbecue with the family this afternoon. And Man, that's the highest aspect of my life. I'm going to wake up Monday morning. Time to go to work. You know, work my day do my job, come back, not talk to anybody. I'm going to have my little piece to myself, eat my little lunch. You know, no, I'm not going to say any cuss words. I might have a like little little thing around my thing. What would Jesus do? You know, WWJD, just so I can be a witness. And so I can, you know, I'm sitting in the chair and yeah, my very presence is somehow ebbing out by osmosis to influence the people. But I'm not really talking to them. I'm not really reaching to anybody life, but I'm sitting there, oh, the time to punch out the clock. Go home, eat my supper, watch a little bit of, I don't even know what they have on television today, The Office. They watch a little bit of The Office. And so, you know, or something, or Monk, or something like that. Have a few laughs, you know, uh, say, say goodnight to the kids, go to sleep. Oh my gosh. Is that what God has designed us for? I have come that you might have life, and that more abundantly. What is that life? Jesus says in John, He says, I would that you're going to bear fruit, and that your fruit is going to remain. Apart from Me, you can do nothing. 
But if you're connected into me, you're going to bear much fruit. And in the process of bearing all this fruit, God's going to do some things in your life. He's going to shake things up. If you're a little complacent, He's going to come over and He's going to take that little complacent branch that ain't bearing nothing in your life and He's going to go, Snip! Ouch! That hurts! How's He going to do it? Oh, well, He might bring a little tribulation in your life. A little bit of trial of your faith. A little bit of test of your faith. Is this thing really real? God's, you know, the Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We understand that's God. We, he's God. He did it to the children of Israel. He, he takes them out. He delivers them with a mighty hand out of the land of Egypt. He drops ten plagues against their gods. I mean, those people were saying, please leave. You know, after God had messed with them so much, please leave. But even Pharaoh, he couldn't get you know, over his prideful heart and God allowed his heart to be hardened. And he went after to say, there goes all our workforce. Two million strong. That's what scholars say. Two million people left. So two million people wandering in the desert. Man, making a big old dust smoke, you know, dust cloud in their wake. And all of a sudden, the Egyptians got a little comfortable and said, man, there went all of our... We can't build no more. You know, the work on the pyramids... You know, it's come to a screeching halt. Because the Egyptians had gotten used not to working. So who's going to build the pyramids? There went our workforce out into the desert. We just let them go. Let's go get them. You know, and so they go up and the God parts the Red Sea. The people pass over to the other side. The Egyptians follow. God drowns them, defeats the enemy. They rejoice, have a big celebration. Look at all the things that God has done. He saved us. He's delivered us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And then God, the next thing you read is that God brings them to a place called Marah. And the word Marah in Hebrew means bitter waters. God brings them to bitter waters. And then they grumble and complain. They just got through seeing the very finger of God smite the most powerful nation on the planet at that time. And God brings them to bitter waters. And it says, you know, they grumbled and complained. And then later on it says, God, God healed the waters so that they could drink. But it says there God made a commandment, but there He tested them. He tested them. What was He doing? And later on He says, God brought you to those waters to test you to see what was in you. Peter talks about it. The trial of your faith. Think it not strange, these fiery trials that come upon you as though some strange thing happens to you. These have come for the trying of your faith, which is more precious than gold that is tried in the fire. And these bring about an abundance of patience and endurance and all these qualities and characters of Jesus Christ. The fruit. So here, here's... Here's, here's how it works. God's purpose you to be productive, to be fruitful. And as you remain in Christ, the Father, the Heavenly Father, says we need Brother Ish to be a little more fruitful. So I'm going to go in there and prune a few things off his life. Not too much. I don't want to kill him. You know? <laughs> but we're going to just cut off some of this stuff here. 
ouch, ouch, ouch. God, why are you allowing me to go through this? Sometimes, you know, you know, we don't pray like we really pray when we really need to pray. Right? And some, oh man, man, someone over there, they're not really praying like they ought to? Well, guess what? We're going to throw a little bit of bitter waters in their life. We're going to allow it to happen. Why? Why is God allowing this? So that you'll be more fruitful. So you'll have fruit that remains. In the whole process, you're producing life. You're producing, and then God says, this guy is producing 20, 30, 50 fold, but man, he's got a hundred fold in him. Let's go prune him some more. (laughs) And so God allows that over the course of your life. Why? Because God has purposed you to be productive. And in that, you experience the life of God. In that, you experience the power of God. Nobody needs to experience the healing power of God unless they're sick. So you get sick sometimes. Why? So you can experience the person of Jesus Christ who heals you. No one no, you know, comes to that place of stress and, and, and place where you like are crying out to God for deliverance unless you need it. God allows you to get to that place. Why? So you'll be more productive. So you learn something more about. You'll increase in the wisdom and understanding and the revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, it's all in the Word. Can I read about it? <laughs> well, most of us read it, but it not, doesn't really make application to our life until we go through it. And God has purposed us to be productive. What does God want us to do? God wants us to be productive. He commands in Scripture. He says, subdue the earth. Now I was telling Pastor Joe, this to me has been kind of a light that has gone off in my head. You know, after 20-something years of ministry, you know, you, you can get, you can have success one way, and be productive one way, and then God says, okay, I'm going to do a little pruning here, let you go through some things, and you're going to talk to me in a, in a way that maybe you didn't expect. But I'm going to let another light go off. I'm going to allow another piece of fruit to, you know, to come out that you didn't expect. And so I'm sitting there having family devotions with my, with my kids and my wife every night. I share with the men. We do that every, at supper time. We have time of family devotions. And uh, I go around to my children and you know, hey, what is the word God saying to you? What is the word God saying to you? Read in Psalm 115, where he says, The heavens of the heavens belong to the Lord. But then he says, The earth he has given to man. And it was just like the Holy Spirit, just like kapow. Kapow. I've given everything you need, Peter says it. He has given us everything we need for life and for godliness through the power of Him who called us by His own glory with these great and precious promises that through them we might participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world. 
God is still saying to us. There was a book, I can't remember who wrote it but uh, right now, but it's called Paradise Lost. How many of you know that book? Uh, remember the name of that book? Paradise Lost. Who wrote that book, honey? Milton. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Milton. Paradise Lost. About the fall. What did we lose in the fall? We lost our connection with our Creator because of sin. What did Jesus come to do? Bring us back into connection. And so when he says, subdue the earth, that is for us. Subdue Chicago. Subdue every section of this town that you go into. God has purposed it for you. You say, am I going to acquire all buildings? If that's what you need. If that's what you need to increase the kingdom of God and His purpose in your life, in this earth. You say, well, I might need a little more education. Well, God can provide that. You say, well, I need some more buildings on this block because the church is going to get bigger to hold too many people. Well, God can do that too when it's time. Subdue the earth. It's God's promise to His people. You say, are you preaching prosperity gospel? No, I'm talking about being fruitful. And it's not about being acquiring material wealth. It's about walking in the purpose and the promise of God and being fruitful in your life. There are people uh, waiting to be born in your spiritual loins. Just like there are children that you could produce in the natural. There are spiritual children that God has for you to produce in the spiritual. Sons and daughters. Born into the kingdom. Some who will never come to know God unless you reach them. God wants you to subdue the earth. The definition to conquer and to bring into subjection, to vanquish, to bring under control, especially by an exertion of the will. The psalmist says in 115.5.6, May you be blessed by the Lord. May you be blessed by the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth He has given to man. God wants you to be productive in your life. Now, in order to do this, you need to position yourself. Just like Pastor says, connect, mentor, send. You need to be connected. You need to be connected into the vine. Apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, 4-5. And I'll close with this. He says, and I'll read it again, Remain in me. This is Jesus talking. Remain in me. He's telling you to do this. You make the decision. See, that's real faith. Faith is not just a feeling. It's not just an idea. Faith touches your backbone. It touches your feet. It involves your will. Remain in me. And I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me, 
and I am in Him, He will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What's God saying to Metro Praise? Connected into the vine. Keep drawing in. Keep drawing in. Keep pursuing Jesus. Keep pursuing Him. The result will be fruit. Fruit that remains.